0: we are at a once again another special special edition of the musician's insider i'm as always your host cronus and today we have chance LeBrie. and we are actually at the in front of his drum set and we're in a really great place where we can talk about music quietly and uh whatever else we need to um i'd love you to introduce yourself to my audience a bit and tell them a little about yourself and what what you do and why we would want to talk to you and yeah you can tell some of our audience
1: for sure man uh, I'm Chance Brie from the band Set. I'm a drummer. Um, we've been doing this now since high school and uh, we just dropped our debut album last October. Things are finally starting to happen for us. We're trying to get out on the road in the States and uh, working on our second album right now. But uh, yeah, it's uh It's great to finally sit down with you, man. Like we've been trying to do this for a long time now. So
0: yeah, this is cool. Yeah, it's great. I think this is going to be really interesting because I don't know where it's going to go No, and take it where we can. Um, however, the musician's insider is actually all about, it's not about my record, it can be about what you've done with your record to help our fans and our, our followers and our supporters understand what they can do to help with their records. So the idea is to come across like. What are the, some of the things cause I know you've toured more than I have, and I've been doing this for a long time, but you were on the road with, was it Trivium or you were on, was it Warp Tour? So we, we played Warp Tour, but it was actually just the Toronto day.
1: Um, we just got on the Toronto day. So we didn't even tour that tour. Okay. Um, the only tours we have done are just like little runs across Ontario. The only tours I've been on outside of Canada have all been with Dream Theater, either just there hanging out with my dad or the uh, the one time I was actually the meet and greet coordinator and managing all of that for them. So that was a really cool experience all throughout South America. But every other time has literally just been me on the road with my dad. So that's why we're so looking forward to this next chapter of All Set. We're looking at agencies right now and trying to sort all that out with our manager. And uh, we really wanna get into the States cause like everyone knows that's where shit happens, right?
0: Okay, well, here's where I think I can help you. So what's interesting is I moved to the States in 2004 or so, but I actually moved to California in 2007, May 15th. I remember that day, my dad and I drove across the U S actually, it was pretty epic. And I'm really happy I got to do that. Um, one of the things though, is when I sign up for like digital music services in the States, like I got into iHeartRadio us, but I, I was having trouble getting my music into iHeartRadio Canada. So like. Everyone else is having a hard time getting it the other way around. Yeah. But since I've been down there for so long doing things, I found that it was really interesting that that can happen and things like Pandora, you can get into Pandora from here, but how do you do it? Well, you can use a VPN. Yep. Otherwise you can't even listen to it. Mm -hmm. But I was going to this amp.pandora.com where they have this thing where you can actually, it's like their artist sort of area, but because of the pandemic, I was going into these little Zoom calls with guys who are running them playlists and whatnot. And I actually got added to a couple playlists, which I was then able to show, Hey, I got 2000 plays on "Vibe and me before it came out or whatever, because I put it in a little thing. And I I did release it and then unrelease it. And I was able to use those numbers to help show, you know, look at this traction. Yeah. helps for the
1: pitches, right?
0: Totally. And like to do that, you really need to like, get into the trenches and meet people that help you dude
1: and that's like one thing like if i have any advice for anyone it's like i like you you can't wait until you're putting out stuff that's like 10 out of 10 it's perfection right like the best way to do it is to build that little foundation and you use that to then pitch and grow and and build a team right there's there's so many people out there that are like They're working on this and they're they're in this music industry. They're trying to they're trying to get into it. And their idea of that the best way to do that is in their in their mind is to write the best song or write the best album. And it's like cool, like good good job, like good luck, but like maybe just like drop shit. Like just put content out, like put music out there and grow from that. One day you will write that perfect song. Well. But don't 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 wait for that to, to start dropping stuff
0: and it's interesting i just had a really interesting conversation with uh karen bliss from the previous podcast and we were talking about she was saying how great the song needs to be and i'm thinking along your lines where when you have the best song in the world like you got to make great content and that's a big thing a lot of people don't they're trying to push it everywhere if it mm-hmm. sucks they don't want to hear it the journalists don't hear it. but what i'm saying is um if you have the best song in the world so you managed to time travel back and you know this was a big hit so you bring them come back in time and you're going to release it like the beatles yesterday's movie or something weird just just as an example mm-hmm. um what do you do with that music right what is right. the way to get it out if it's so great like so i was almost going to say like if you jumped on your drum kit right now and played something on, and and then i right, was well, like sing along with it or doing something and then we chopped that up and threw it on TikTok and had the right hashtags that if could blow more, up that could blow up and get more views because it might be timely or interesting you know and
1: going off of that like we could go back in time and have the whole black album and release it before them and we were at the wrong place at the wrong time and it didn't blow up but it's like the like the beatles and everything like they're they're so talented and it was talent and great songs also mixed with luck of being at the right place at the right time so it's not it's not like you have to have the best song you have to you know have everything mapped out it's like right place right time so the way i look at it is just fucking make that right place right time happen the only way you can make it happen is if you're putting stuff out there
0: and i was pretty upset with uh, one of the awesome program directors Kat Thompson. she's amazing from 106.9 the bear in ottawa i think she's no longer there i think the station's been gone for a long time but i used to be upset because I was so mad at Nickelback, and that's why I will rag on Nickelback. But in in honesty, we were pretty much jealous of them because they took the slot that everyone wanted. And I don't want to get too far into Nickelback because I know a lot of people respect them and I will talk shit about them. But it was so awful for me when they said to us, and then Kat said to me, maybe this just isn't the right timing for you guys. And she was 100% right. And I learned... just hard to hear. That the timing is everything from that. And uh, it it was more along the lines that. I kind of got a hard learning lesson from that, um, but I have nothing bad to say about any of the bands I've been in or any of the people I've worked with, unless someone like stole from me. And even when that happens, I'm still like, you know, trying to try to keep it on the, on the positive side, because like, the best advice I have for everyone is be nice to everyone. If someone's mean to you, then take note, but don't be vindicative, like don't be vindicating or whatever the word is. You know don't don't really do too much retaliatory stuff because other people will see that and then they'll think like in hockey like, like you, know, you get the penalty for instigating but you might not have been the one who did that right exactly it's almost like just be nice to everyone and make sure that people understand what you're trying to do exactly and uh if you don't know what you're trying to do then get out and play and do as many things as you can collaborate meet a lot of other artists and like who knows like falsette is your first real band yeah a lot of people like I'm looking on the wall at winter rose and these other bands, those weren't dream theater. No. So false. may be your dream theater, but it may be your, it may be your winter rose. Yeah. Who knows where you're going to, well,
1: it's funny you say that because like when, when I started this band, like I obviously wanted it to, you know, go all the way with it, but I never actually thought that what I would be doing after high school and like into my twenties would be still the same band. I started when we were like 14, 15 years and old.
0: Is it the same band?
1: Uh, yeah, it's just still like the original three. So, me, Raiden Cozy, and Zach
0: Copeland. But We've so it's already around. had a bit of changes, which shows you already how fucked up the music industry can get. And yeah. egos get in the way. Oh, yeah. Girlfriends, guitars, songs that people write. Like,
1: <clears throat> just sucking at what you do gets in the way.
0: And, like, <laughs> so let me ask you so, how do you handle the splits? And you don't have to tell me your actual splits that's obviously something personal but you're welcome to tell us if you split four ways well yeah no man so
1: when i was like young like i I, dude i used to like pick my dad's brain about the music industry like crazily because i was just so fascinated by it and i i knew i wanted to do it from a really young age so me and my dad got into conversations about this even before i was in a band and he told me like horror stories about like queen and stuff like they used to do like whoever writes the most gets paid the most right And that like really brought them and a lot of other bands to this really like turmoil, like point where they almost broke up and, uh, they switched it up after that so that everything is even, and that's the way most bands do it nowadays. And, you know, after hearing all those stories, I was just like, yo, like if I'm in a band, that's the way it's gotta be. So, you know. It's, it's evenly split throughout the whole band and that's because like even if someone is writing more, everyone has their role in the band. It, it's not all about the fucking songs. Like, you know, there's like there's the songs and then there's all of this other work that goes into being in a band. So just because like Zach in our band, right, he writes like the demos and he writes the foundation of our songs doesn't mean that he's gonna get 80% of the royalties for the songs because he knows and he values what me and everyone else in the band does for False.
0: Now, you know the definition by SOCAN or ASCAP, it, it is lyrics and melody are 50% and then there's music and arrangement is mm-hmm. the other 50%. So you have to be aware of that though. And you have to have that kind of on, in, on, right. Like you have to take the songs and put them into SOCAN and put them 25% each. And then you wonder, well, how does the publishing work? Mm-hmm. Right? So you need to have that conversation. It's so in-depth, man. So what I did with my producer friend is I just told them up front, you're getting this amount for every song and I want to be free to work with you and feel like we don't, we're not going to think about that. And that's all we did. We just have the same split for every song right. and I'm very pleased with it. And there might be somewhere I did more and there might be somewhere I did less, but the only times it gets confusing is I have the, I have this real need to get songs out and finished that I feel were unfinished or they, I had a song called Gone and I redid it, so gone. Um, and it's out now, and I'm really happy with the final version. Like, as I mentioned on one of the other podcasts, is I played the guitar solo live from that song a certain way and I added all these embellishments. Well, when I recorded it again, all those embellishments are on the solo. So when I play it live, I play it identical to the live, to the to the record, because it's the new way. Right. Um, and maybe I'll change a few things. It's always good to have, you know, moments in your live show that are a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. But some, like
1: extending parts out or well, changing intros. And
0: yesterday I worked with AJ Peace, AJ, best best tech ever. I'm gonna try and get him on here. Um, I, I recorded uh, just some different click tracks with him, but for M- Million Miles Away, one of my songs, mm-hmm. we put the I intro. I was to that one. The intro is kind of slow, and then it goes punk, like So how do you count that in? With the intro and the clicks weren't where they needed to be so we actually added a space there Mm. and then the click comes in and then you start so now it's a moment in the
1: live show and we're working on a new song right now sorry to interrupt but we're working on a new song right now that before the uh the band comes in the guitar is just playing like sort of like the chorus vibe and it's just playing it like slower not to a click just like vibey right and I'm like already thinking, I'm like, how the fuck are we going to do that live? Well, like, in are, your head, are we going to play that live? In your
0: head, if you're the drummer, you're going to get a one, two, three, four at some yeah. point, and then that's when it starts. Yeah. So how do you cue the guitar player? Is he going to sing, or does he yeah. doesn't care, because he's just doing that in the years get the four count. There's lots to work out. Cause I there's... like to try to get rid of the Oh yeah, yeah, right. So, but one thing you can also do with if everyone's wearing headphones or in ears is you. We're come, all on click now. So, so then you can just have like instead of just a click in your ear, you can actually say one, two, three, four.
1: We do that. Like I, I talk to the guys. I'm like, guitar switch. I'm like, Chance, you're you're playing this song now. I'm like, fit like dude. I che- cheat sheets all throughout our fucking well, clicks. Kiss. Man.
0: So my friend was a guitar tech for Kiss, and uh, he told me that Gene Simmons has two talkback like channels, <laughs> and one is to talk to the tags and people. And then the other one is someone feeding him the lyrics. Dude,
1: how I've heard people do that. So how did the hell does that work? They're
0: feeding you the lyrics and you're listening as you sing. Like an anchor at a news show mm-hmm. It's like they have in their ear, they're hearing the producer telling them, okay, you just said something that's not true. You have to correct yourself. Like that's what they're getting corrected all day long. News anchors on this. Yeah. But they're shows.
1: sort of like, they have a second to be like
0: no they oh, don't oh and do justin that. they don't do that but they, singing they, they don't do that right well they, they just listen and the, the the people that are feeding them the information know when to do it because they've done this in rehearsal like you know how bands rehearse for two three weeks before they tour for real yeah. not like anyone else of us like me first show i do at the horseshoe is basically our first rehearsal live and like I, all I, these yeah. people are come to see us i can't do like, that man oh I've, i can't I've do that. that up and learn that lesson pretty hard yeah and i'm actually kind of glad i didn't uh make it when I wanted to make it because I think now I'm ready to do it the right way. Right. But uh so much learning. Right. Mm. So what I want to do is provide as much of feedback from mistakes I've made so that my audience can learn from my mistakes and skip those steps. That's cool. And I think you have a unique perspective because you have a successful parent in the industry who can pass down stuff that really no one else can that isn't successful in the industry. They can all be like, oh I know this and that. But even stuff he knows is going to be like you know, changing all the time. And it's also common sense. Yeah. So you yeah, really yeah. just have to be smart, be nice to everyone. And like, um, I, I appreciate that. And it's it's hard to, to really explain a lot of the stuff that you just have to learn by doing. I've been through the ringer. I had like a VH1 behind the music story and haven't had the success at all. Hopefully this record does well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, now I feel like how can it not? You know, we're ready to go. Everything's done. And I've never been happier. But there's nothing worse than finishing an album and feeling like it's not quite what you want. Yeah. And a lot of times that happens when there's four guys and the one guy didn't get to sing. Like in Thermocline, my first band from 2000, I remember bringing that to you when you guys lived somewhere else. I brought that press kit to your dad and said, hey, this is us. And he gave it to lecture for me. I was rad. But the thing was, there's choruses on that album where I drove from four hours from Ottawa back to Toronto and I uh, I was working on the uh, the chorus the whole way home and I got back to the studio, they recorded it without me. Like I was just helping to write a part and they asked me to do that. Yeah. I was so upset because I didn't like the part they wrote and I was coming in not gonna like it. I still don't yeah, really yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah, no. And it wasn't a hit to me. I'm like, it's not a hit. It's not a hit now. <laughs> oh, um, fuck. And then I, I mentioned that on one of my podcasts. And then my friend Graham, the singer, was kind of like, I'm so sorry that you felt that way. I'm like, no, no, no. Don't- oh, you heard the podcast? Yeah, well, of course. I Oh, my God. There, and then we had a, I had him on. So let's talk. We had a wonderful talk.
1: Let's time. talk about it. We had yeah. a fun
0: talk on there. And it was hilarious. But the point was, at the time, I was quite upset because, A, I didn't get to put my input. But, B, I had been told by the band members that I was going to write a chorus to come along. And then we all bring our ideas together yeah. and we would do it. And we had this horrible thing called mass scrutinization where we'd all sit together and listen to it. And like, it's not a good way to do. So the
1: chorus, you you were the singer. No, no. I
0: was a guitar player, backup singer. We had a singer.
1: And the singer already went in and sang it.
0: Well, he hadn't written it. We didn't know what we were going to do for it. And him and the bass player, uh, God rest his soul, Jason, Mm -hmm. Jesus, he, you know, and him were working on it. So I think when I was gone, he got a chance to shine a bit in the studio and do things. But at the same time they went without telling me and it kind of fucks up the dynamic. And then after that, we, we had a few myths here and there for no reason. You just kind of starts making people start to hate each other a little yeah. bit. I never hated any of them. Well, look at like, look at some of the bands that do.
1: Speaking of, you know, like tips and like this industry and, you know, what this podcast is all about, I think you just touched on like a, a major note for me, myself, I find that uh, communication is probably the most important part of a band in that it there's not healthy communication and there's not a lot of communication the band won't survive it won't work out you know a band is like having a marriage with multiple people and it's just as hard just as much work and you got to make everyone happy and everyone has to learn to compromise and everyone has to learn to be mature and that's what kept falset together like we've fucking hated each other in the past and we all love each other and we're all brothers it's to like, this day
0: you need your, you need to know your polyamorous rules what they are yeah yeah <laughs> but in all things considered like it, it it is hard and like when you have like the four of you and then say you have someone who leaves what happens to the splits of the songs you already wrote you oh no you just throw See, the songs away. we didn't
1: we didn't get like all official until this current lineup so if anyone were to leave at this point, or if anything were to happen, I don't even know what the splits would be. Because like, who what are they going to get when they leave?
0: So when I did my first solo record called ASK, Aaron Stanley Cronus, that's what I did. It's called ASK around 2005. Mm -hmm. After thermocline, I had sideman agreements that Ron and I set up. So I had sideman agreements where if you're in the band, and you're not, you know, and you decide that you're going to stick around, you get, I gave them point 5% five percent of the proceeds of our income okay like that's a cut to keep them around But yeah if you leave, we're
1: talking revenue right yeah mm-hmm. gross
0: revenue mm-hmm. no probably net but if you leave then you get that changes to 0.25 because i need to bring someone else in and have to have them something to offer mm-hmm. and so i've actually had an issue where a guy left and then he really wanted to come back so he came back at 0.25 i'm like you lose your percentage He's like, so i don't care i am want to be back i'm like okay yeah So it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, And I appreciated that he came back. I mean, we had some stupid falling outs, but there really hasn't been any major blowouts with people I've been working with. And a lot of people came back after because they just wanted it a certain way and didn't understand what we're all trying to be as a band. And and then I learned that the idea is to really just hire everyone, but really vet the people first.
1: Exactly, man. Like if you can't find those four or five guys that you're all going to get along together and you're all all like like-minded and you're all after the same goal you all want the same thing if you can't find that the best alternative is to not stop is keep going but you got to fucking hire guys and vet your guys like hardcore
0: i mean you can hire like an andrew lamar who's a session player and awesome and he'll show up he knows the charts or like a randy cook guys who just show up they can play it but they're not going to be into it because they have five other things to do that they're into at the same time, and they're just going to go with what's paying the most and blows up. I mean, it yeah. will be cool, but it's like, um, I found Jack, my current drummer, because he and I, when I got laid off and like from Nortel way back in the day, we were in Ottawa area. We started playing cover bands in Hull, Quebec for like 100 bucks a night at the casino. Mm-hmm. But you get four nights in a row, it's 400 bucks. Do that two weekends in a row, you got your red paid. So, and all the free food we could have eaten. And oh my God, that was crazy. Jesus. But um, I also learned that I never had a fight with him we never argued it was and he could sing and i was like they were holding it up like it was like a bass player a drummer and then me and i came in they were using an old atari so i I had them use like an ipod or something we we changed it so no i had a mini disc player at the time before ipods came out and that was how we did our left and right audio split with the click tracks we were playing pink floyd cover songs and things like that and i made it so we had all the samples from the album on there instead of just these weird midi things that we were playing Mm -hmm. with and i think we upped the game on that and that was the beginning of me becoming weird and technically crazy but in thermocline i did a lot of crazy guitar shit where i'd jump in the air and land on a button that would change the guitar sound from a guitar to a gated guitar or i would put an expression pedal back that would take away the chorus but i had weird delays that would come on and then when i went from clean heavy to clean the delay would stay but that would be the way that the next sound was supposed to be it was a lot of stuff that's and i i really i really was i was proud of what i did with that and i think i'm gonna still go back now and take some i was talking to graham on the last podcast i was gonna i want to take some of those riffs and use them we have a riff for sonic blonde that is absolutely amazing it's just i hit the guitar once and it has like five delays like da-na-na-na-na, and the drummer comes in dun- 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 that was lamar she did that it was awesome so i want to I told Graham, I'm like, I want to use that riff or something. He's like, do it. I'm like, totally, totally.
1: So a lot of your, uh, I wanted to ask you this cause you we were talking about Axe Effects earlier. Yeah. Um, a lot of your uh, sounds that you used to do with all these pedals, um, have you replicated that and changed that up and started using Axe FX instead? Or are you still like pedals?
0: I don't have an Axe FX. Oh, I, I thought you did. One, and I watched someone but, so I had a, a, a guitar tech who uh, I th- let me I try thought you did
1: that. for some reason.
0: No, I recorded with a Kemper. I used to use Mesa Boogie all the time, but I sold all my Mesa Boogies because they're like, it hurts your back to have Mesa Boogie. Like my back hurts from carrying those damn things they are so heavy and they have a hum to them on a buzz. You have to use a noise suppressor. It's like, why would you build an amp that requires an NS2 pedal? Yeah. I mean, Petrucci was using it. I saw his schematic and it had all the stuff in it. And it had like the NS2 in there and all this other amazing stuff. I'm like, why does it need that? I'm like, because there's a hum that I can't get rid of. My rack forever was buzzing because there was like something metal touching metal. I could never figure it out finally, like with, it took like 10, 15 years, but for me, finally, the memory cards are tiny. Now you can put like two, three gigs on a little micro SD card and you can put your whole record on that. We used to use two inch tapes that you'd have to carry around. Like it's just mind boggling how the technology Dude, has changed.
1: That's crazy.
0: But this computer right here that we're recording on is how I run Ableton. I run all my um, visuals and everything are now, this is what I did last rehearsal. We connected this computer by, ethernet cable to a pc that's going to be running resolume
1: do you do you worry about your system crashing ever because we're looking into uh auto switchers right now because they're like stupid expensive but we're like you know what i like nightmares dude nightmares
0: so solid state you don't want to have a hard drive spinning that. Kind of yeah of are failure right and then you kind of like
1: but just like the system overload bullshit. so you can
0: have two running at the same time and there's methods that you can i can actually get that hooked up for you with my techs are really good at that like stuff.
1: the time code stuff
0: yeah you can link them together but you don't want to use like ableton link actually necessarily there's certain things you don't want to use and there's certain things you do want to use and i can probably if i can get aj on here we'll talk about it
1: great <laughs> <Right>. aj <laughs> where are you at
0: well he's busy doing some real stuff but he's thankfully taking the time out of his day yesterday to help me out a lot i really love that guy he's just killer um it's nice to have people who understand the software and the routing of audio, like we were able to use Zoom to control the laptop to change all the sounds and do everything we needed to do. But before that, we were using TeamViewer, um, and like now we can just do it all through Zoom because of the Zoom audio has been fixed over because because of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. it got fixed. Um, did
1: I swear Zoom like blew up because of the pandemic? But did you also, see also the Zoom
0: bombing? <laughs> yeah.
1: Also, what the hell happened to Skype? It was like five years ago. It was just Skype, it and then all of a sudden,
0: by Microsoft
1: okay so they fucked it up
0: microsoft just has always been a a loss leader in many ways um i just bought my first windows machine recently again after i used to do um unix system admin so it's unix backend and then the mac os when it went from os9 to 10 back in 2000 is that like a linux software it started using linux and backend backend kernel instead of dos so once that happened, I was sold. I'm like, I'd already been working as a Unix system admin, so when Mac was all back end, I know how to do the commands on there a little bit—not mm-hmm. super a lot, but I can type through FTP and things like that. So right. it's really nice to go Mac. I'm not a Mac tart or whatever you want to call. It. Like, I don't just have everything Apple, but having a really good MacBook Pro with solid state and a good amount of memory—you um, can't beat that, and it doesn't crash. Like, uh-huh. it, it really doesn't. Like, it's pretty awesome. But you should have two of them, you know, in case you drop one in the river. Yeah. And, um i use dropbox for most of my files so if this like crashes and burns i can literally replace it with another computer like, so you
1: have plan b and yeah. plan c yeah yeah
0: but on stage you have to have contingencies for if stuff goes bad so when i was with that other band thermocline we had i learned every solo with a different broken string and once <laughs> okay. once our song i broke a string and i was playing the song Barfly, and i was like oh my god that string broke but i know the solo up here I learned it on every string broken. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. I don't do that so much now. Oh man. But that was pretty epic that it actually happened yeah. once. I
1: can't imagine.
0: <laughs> but we also had things like if the if the drummer has a problem, then we do this. If the bass player has a problem, we do this. Right. If the singer has a problem, we're used to it. No. <laughs> if yeah. The singer's a problem, then we do this. And if the guitar player has a problem, they all do that. Yeah. I was the guitar player backup singer for that. So there was like always a contingency kind of ready and you would rehearse that. And another thing is don't do anything on stage that you didn't do in rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Like if there's not- like, Well, speaking a- of rehearsal,
1: I remember when, before we had like this big rack with the uh, Behringer X32 and everything running our interiors, it, we had like the headphone splitter left and right backtrack and it was like so sketchy. So because it was so sketchy, we always, when we were practicing at the end of our jam session, we would go through all of the songs that we're gonna play live. And I just like randomly kill the backtracks. And I'm like, Hey, there's no click. There's no nothing. What do we do? Are we good? And we would, we would practice that with every song so that just in case our backtracks do cut out, like we're golden.
0: Well, I'll tell you with, with Thermocline, there was many times where we would all be off the click and the drummer just kills it when we do that. Mm -hmm. And then he, we follow him. Mm -hmm. Right. And there was, it only happened once in a while, but there was many times where like, Oh, the. I have to kill the click or I have to kill the click. And none of us even knew, you know, cause we didn't have it. I remember there's this, years.
1: uh, one time I was on tour throughout the States with uh, dream theater and I was sitting behind Mangini's kit. And, uh, I remember this whole thing going on live and I'm like, what the hell just happened? I didn't know until after the show, uh, Eric Disrud, the drum tech told me that like Mangini's ears cut out and he was playing like three or four bars without a click, he came like the, the click came back in like they fixed it like quickly like within three or four bars click came back in and he was literally on the fucking beat because his like internal metronome in his head is so like spot on like that guy literally has a click in his head you could be like 120 bpm and he would sit there for three minutes and you'd be like 120 and he'd be like duh, duh, or whatever the fucking That's BPM. Awesome. like he's just like in I've his met head some
0: pretty i've had my friend gab was amazing he was always like internal metronome guy, yeah i yeah. never understood that but
1: i was i really, need a reference point like once it's in my head i can stay on it and i don't speed it up or slow it down too much how do you know but like i need that reference how do you, you know? know
0: you're not speeding up or slowing down well because you're so good at being at you because mike mangini
1: mike mangini taught me this trick he's like take your tongue And hit your roof of the mouth make it a physical bpm it's in your head but make it physical and when you do that with your tongue and you're hitting the roof of your mouth it becomes this physical thing like as if you're hit it here like this
0: so i did that with my i would go like this Mm -hmm. but the problem is I'm a fucking singer yeah yeah, I can't do that right I think the only
1: person that needs to do that is the drummer and then everyone follows drummer
0: so but I've always been like once I went solo like I had the in-ears and no one else did but me and maybe the drummer like it it was kind of maybe the drummer. well because it depends on if I'm using the automatic drummer system oh okay yeah so but yeah um I guess in general like the drummer would have it too um, but where I was going with was I was actually so good at playing along to my own backtracks. I practiced it a million fucking times, like from the album. Like I knew where the delays for all the vocals were and I can hear them in the, in the PA. Oh, so
1: you'd put the delays in the backtracks so you don't need to actually Correct. have the delays live? Correct. Where, so how do you do that live now?
0: They're in the tracks.
1: So they're still in the backtracks? Actually, yeah,
0: they're in the tracks.
1: Okay, because yeah, I was going to say, so what we do now for, to have all these effects that are on our songs is we actually like arm a track within logic and then all of our backtracks and 808s and everything are within the session and then we actually just like hit play on that song it goes through the backtracks and shit so you better have and some good
0: cpu for that's that. the
1: thing that's why we're like auto switchers like what's our plan so B?
0: i would i would mix that all down and i would not use the cpu for too much maybe for like i use mine to run like keyboards that i'm mm-hmm. playing through it but I would probably just burn it to the track and if you know the delays at the certain point it's always the same
1: here's our theory though here's our theory on why it won't crash when you are in logic and you're just like playing around you're editing this you're doing that system overloads galore like all the time but have has anyone ever hit record and they're tracking something or singing something and then it system overloads probably. like but like hardly ever like that's probably never happened usually it's to to do
0: with hard drive space
1: right I just I just I've always found that like after you hit record your whole computer is like I will die to make sure that this doesn't stop like you know what I mean it never like my session crashes all the time but as soon as that's recording and it's going through the session recording I can go through the whole session and it won't crash
0: I wouldn't trust that personally but I mean maybe you have a great setup you know? i don't trust
1: it either and that's why i really want to get the uh auto switcher
0: i think that's a great idea they have two computers that run all the effects but i mean if you're processing stuff live i really am against using too much cpu to process anything it's too you know? risky and that's why i can't do any visuals like what we're using is you can connect your time code using Rizalum, um arena and resolution avenue like there's a couple different programs that cost more or less but we're figuring out where I essentially just connect the two computers now with a Ethernet cable and it sends like it's like you're just launching clips. Right. Yeah. But that's you then have to take all the videos, and this is what I'm learning right now. And I have to like make a bunch of 30 seconds twenty or thirty video clips, put them where I want them to come on, and then I have to take that and convert it to a specific format for Resolume. And then it's just like being a DJ. Mm -hmm. It's exactly like an EDC kind of setup. Yeah. But I happen to put my guitar in there and my vocal in there too.
1: See, that's another thing. So we we've like just so much work goes into just the audio side of things. Uh, We haven't even like started thinking about the production and the lighting show.
0: Secondary computer, PC. Yeah. Audio, Mac using Ableton.
1: Mm hmm. We use logic, but you
0: use the same sound cards, the Apollo's I use an Apollo. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I probably need to get the eight one, the bigger one. If I want to have the 10 inputs for the drummer, he asked for 10 inputs. So that's the idea. Like I have enough inputs, but I wanted it to be, I like to give the front of house, like really good separated stuff.
1: What Um, we're, we plan on doing is bringing out a sound guy on tour and he mixes off an iPod through our behringer x32 and then all we send the front of house is left and right they plug it under the board and it's literally left and right okay and like I, everything is mixed i've done that before mm-hmm.
0: the problem is that
1: the different rooms yeah yeah so that's why we'd bring a sound guy so he would like walk around the room and like see like the frequencies or whatever the hell they do man. what i
0: think you want to do though is i use a behringer Air 12 and it's got its own little mixing console on it, you know, like, and it's in the back of my rack. Mm-hmm. So everything comes out of my Ableton setup into the Apollos and it goes into the Behringer. Right. And then from there, I have a left and right sample, like, uh, balanced left and right to go into my iRig Duo, which connects to my phone. And that's how I stream. But then instead of streaming, I want it to be front of house. I can't just give them left and right. So I have like vocals, guitars, and then my samples are left and right.
1: So how, how long does your setup generally take?
0: Oh, it's done. Like you just, it's as you fast as the podcast. You walk in like it's pretty quick.
1: That's another thing we're working out right now is like, how can we speed this up with six guys?
0: Well, you don't want to do like too much plugging in and unplugging, leave everything plugged in, in a way that it can be packed up. And then really all you need to do is have those four outs that go to the front, like the, my four, are like I said, stereo mix. Guitar and vocal, Mm -hmm. but then I have to have all the drum ten tracks for the drummer, because that's not part of my guitar setup. I've been using the drummer as. um, I didn't have a drummer for the first little while. I was just using the tracks from the album and just now I mute those, replace them with a live drummer, and now I'm not going to go back. Like I thought, I don't need a drummer.
1: So like live drummer, I want a Ableton drum. Like out of you know doing both. Pros and cons, or is it like fucking real drummer all the way? Real drummer
0: all the way. Yeah. With Ableton as well, but I mute the drum tracks that were recorded on the album that are live drums. Okay. So like the parts Yeah, I was
1: just wondering, like for someone like yourself that's done it both ways, you know, they they've done the fucking shows without any live drummer, and then they've done the shows with the live drummer. Too much. I was wondering, like, it's so tight without a real human playing it, but it's like, is that real element? worth it? Is it better? Well I don't think
0: I'm interesting enough on stage without like 10 go-go dancers around me for people to watch to make that a good show and then just having the guy behind you doing that is just so live show. Mm -hmm. But most rock bands can't really figure that out.
1: No I see here's my thing like there's tons of bands out there that like replace all of these sounds with backtracks but you don't see a lot of bands doing it with drummers and I think the drummer and the singer are like the two guys that really need to be there at the show. So
0: I agree with you, but I also stick the guitar into that mix.
1: In, into the well, like the reason I say the drummer and the singer is because there's so many genres out there that don't use guitar.
0: But they always try to use some strange instruments and that would just be the guitar. And so okay. what I'm trying to just right. add keyboards. Like I play keyboard and I play Ableton Push and you can do some really cool stuff with the MIDI fighters and all that. So actually I use a MIDI fighter to launch all my clips using something called Setlist that Henry Strange made. Henry he's red and um it's nice to just like when we shot the video at the horseshoe what i did was instead of having a playback engineer we first we were in auto rehearsing so i played with jack and i recorded our our set like just the song we were gonna do and then i sent that down to the video guys and said is there any drift is there any any um issue with like the the video and the audio not being synced up if we're using that click track in that way right because they have to sync it up to the actual album track. Mm -hmm. So I sent them the track and I sent them our video of us playing live and they were perfectly matched. So then when we went to the horseshoe, I was able to just hit play and actually perform the song 10 times in a row live. Right. And that worked perfectly with the sync up because I don't want to be air guitaring and I don't want to be playing without volume. I want to actually hear it. So when you see in my video, when I play the solo for, I'm not sorry, I'm like, I'm actually playing it at the horseshoe and I'm hearing it in my in-ears and they are hearing it at the front of the house.
1: See, that's really unique because you know this, like most bands when they do music videos, they're not hearing shit. It's like, all
0: playback. It's all playback. So we did no playback. Except for
1: the drummer, obviously, because they have to hit something.
0: We did no playback. It was all playing. But what I was able to do is I could unmute the drums or mute them or if we needed them, it didn't really matter. Um, they weren't super concerned because we did a lot of slow-mo drum stuff and we actually had the drummer leave the kit and the, and the actress sits on the kit for part of the thing. I remember that. And that's like, to do that, like. I wasn't super worried like I knew everyone was like is, is she playing the right part he's trying to counter and make sure she's hitting it right. and I was kind of like when we watch the final video you really can't tell anything. <laughs>
1: anyway. So what's your uh, current plan for all of that and releases and stuff like what
0: does the next year look like for you? Well I'm just hoping that we can release this record properly and get on a tour and get out and play it for the people and have it on the radio I really want radio in Canada I'm hoping that Alan Cross played it once maybe they'll add it on with there too. So yeah okay I'm so can't ask that. okay cool um and I've been with that forever but it's like that's just how you get kind of royalties and stuff mm-hmm. you also have to be with um it's really important that you're with sound exchange are you familiar with sound exchange it rings a bell I'm sure your your legal team has talked to you about I'm this, sure your we're... letter of direction and where all that's gonna go but yeah. the idea is that anything in digital um, satellite radio and things like that. They-
1: okay, we, we are with them or whatever, because um, I do remember when we were getting a ton of radio from give a year ago, they were sending us like all these reports and stuff. And I think that's why sound exchange sounds familiar so, is because they were sending me the sound exchange reports and that the you f- getting from. Found- so we got octane, we got like, uh, dude, I don't know, man, like, um, what is our, platform? Is our, so, so no, no. So new ocean media. Um, we got hooked up with them through, um, uh, some of my dad's label people, Thomas in particular from inside out. So he hooked us up with inside out, which was a lot of help to us. Um, so they helped us with like Spotify campaigns and radio campaigns. And when we got the radio campaigns, it did really well on radio and, uh, it kept getting played more and more, and then more radios kept picking us up and uh that's when i got all these reports in like weekly so what radios dude like i'm literally talking like a list every week with like american 50 stations mostly american yeah. that's fantastic and then we got on octane which was like huge but i think that's why sound exchange sounds familiar
0: that's how you would have got paid from the not the actual tele so radio. that's like a whole
1: other thing for us so we didn't get paid a cent from all of those radio plays because um, BMI and SOCAN wasn't set up with us yet. So we're like in the process of, of getting, cause we we have the same, we like literally are from the same town and we have like the same everything, same lawyers, same distribution, like same everything. Ernie Ball is, is a Ernie big, Ball, big, like,
0: big sponsor heart of mine. I love them and it's like, we have in common. Kind of-
1: yeah, so that's, so Ron is actually like working on that. As we speak, like right. trying to get that all sorted out. But it's just been a hassle. And we're like, okay, at what point are they going to pay us back to? Because it's been a year now. So we're like, I don't know.
0: Well, I think that stuff will, it comes anyway. And one of the things I thought of too is like, I was worried about working with someone who I didn't get along with, that I have some things written with that I put into SoCan. I'm like, you want to make sure you don't, and Karen mentioned this on my podcast uh, last episode you don't want to give your publishing to people too much because if you have to ask them for permission to put it into something, what if they're no longer around right, mm-hmm. or gone or just don't yeah. like
1: you? So we started our own label and our own publishing company. So we can just like own everything and do everything ourselves. But you know, we're we saw that today we're working out that deal yeah. right now, which I don't know like how that's going to go, but like it's looking like a great deal for us, but I don't know how that's going to affect those two entities you know
0: well obviously i think the best thing is to just tell them they can't have any publishing because they didn't you know they weren't there at the beginning unless they're giving you a really big advance that's really
1: really yeah
0: which they might try to still do but i think you lucky you have a good team yeah dude honestly
1: at the end of the day i'd rather get the team and give a little more than not get the team and be greedy
0: but it's not greedy to give away like that's the thing. You Don't think you're being greedy when being super nice, and then you accidentally give away too much publishing, and now you have to ask someone you don't like for permission to do. So. Yeah,
1: no, I won't. I won't okay. get into the, one of those typical band label well, bullshit. I've had, I've
0: had an issue where someone lied to me about a lot of things. I'm not going to get into too much about it because who knows if I'll cross paths with them again. But I'm not getting gonna... What's What's the name? Um, no, I'm just. I'm just kidding. It's I'm uh, just
1: kidding. Be- Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I just had someone who. Um, basically he was telling other artists bullshit and I didn't call them out. They asked me what I did with him. so that they wouldn't happen. I said, talk to your lawyer. And he got mad at me for telling them to go to a lawyer. I go, I didn't tell them to go to a lawyer and fuck with your business. I just answered their question mm-hmm. and fuck you for screwing them over and asking them for all that money without having contracts. Mm-hmm. But my point was if I have to ever like, because I've written songs with this person somewhere along the line that they come after me for money, I'm just going to put their stuff in an escrow account. And if they want it, they can sue me. The suggestion i got was not don't pay them it was put their money in account if they come asking for it then they can have it but until they ask for it you know mm-hmm. that's it and i'm right. not saying ask for i'm saying like come and get it you know there's no money there's nothing to come and get if you're watching this whoever thinks they are <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are um actually if anything i made they show my music to the, all the people that they try to work with today to try to rip off so fuck it i did that i did this maybe not maybe they're done yeah. But cheers, by the way, good get to yeah, have, cheers, to have this little chat. No, it's um, been great. I think uh, we're going to wrap it up a little bit soon. Uh, unless you have some final advice that you want to give to new artists that may be uh, trying to make it at this time of after a pandemic in 2021 and uh, maybe at your age. So what do you have advice for Just get up and comers? Just you don't have parents that were in dream theater,
1: right? Yeah. So if your dad wasn't in dream theater, I'd highly suggest you quit and get the hell out of this industry because it is harsh it is rough Bloody there's awful. there's no money in it there no one's becoming rock stars in today's day and age so just quit what you're doing
0: what about for people like who already have records and are kind of washed up and i'm thinking they can still make it
1: yeah i know i'm just kidding like if if you're anyone out there definitely just like Give give it your all. And like I said earlier, um, you you can't wait until you're perfect or you're like 10 out of 10. You got to definitely be good. Um, If you're not good, then don't bother. But if you're good, don't wait till it's perfect. Just start putting shit out there because that right place, right time instance isn't going to happen unless you're putting stuff out there. That's like the best advice I can give.
0: And luck is really just a combination of preparation and um opportunity. That's what I look at. All right. Well, Chance, great to have you on the podcast. Glad we do this in person. This has been the Musicians Insider and uh look forward to seeing y'all out there and live.
1: We'll see you live. Can't wait to play a
0: live show for y'all.
1: See you on the road. Cheers.